1: Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here, and I'm so excited to have our first guest, Peter Almond, who I've known for a long time. He's an amazing mentor and support and community visionary in Lincoln, Nebraska. And Pete and I have been friends and intersected for a long time. And right. yep, and Pete's a therapist, and he's written an amazing book called "Thoughts: The Power of Your Mind." And I thought it would be so amazing to have Pete come on and talk about his book, teach us all about his work, why he wrote the book, and what he's finding out since he launched the book. And I, at the end of the podcast, will definitely let Pete know where um, we can all go online and get the book. And also, the other cool thing about Pete is that he's a co-founder of an amazing organization called Lighthouse in our community that does amazing work for children, families, and our whole community. And so we'll talk a little bit about Lighthouse, too. And we'll talk about how and ask Pete how we can support Lighthouse moving forward. So, Pete, I'm just going to have you tell us a little bit more about yourself, and um, then we'll get into your book.
2: Great. Thank you, Carlo, for having me on your show. Um, I'll try to make my story short. Um, After college, I went into our family business, and a weird thing happened when I turned 30. I was sitting in my office thinking, I'm an adult, do I want to do this the rest of my life? Which is kind of a weird deal, and the answer was quickly no. So I took the summer of 1988 and, and volunteered at a place called Covenant House in New York City, a place for runaways, and they called them throwaways. And Carla, I had an amazing time and they trusted me. And I even went on the teenage outreach fan to bring in teenage prostitutes from midnight to 6 a.m. So came back to Lincoln and thought, you know, that was just an end in itself. But people thought it was weird that a white middle class kid went to inner city New York. So, you know, how civic clubs and churches are always looking for speakers. So I talked about Covenant House and it was consistently afterwards. People said, Pete, there's a need in Lincoln. Well, I grew up in Lincoln and obviously very sheltered, but I thought, really? And so uh, I heard it enough that my wife, Maureen, and our friend, James Perry, we started researching the need because we didn't want to duplicate any services. And what came back was after the formal needs assessment, Lincoln needs an after-school program for its teens. So I could get into that, but but I won't right now, why that's important. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Lighthouse just took off. I mean, there is a need. And so I left the family business, went back on my master's in counseling. So I have a half-time private counseling practice and I'm half-time Lighthouse. And then I found a hobby in my adulthood is I like writing.
1: Awesome. So you've been a therapist for how long?
2: I 24, 25 years.
1: Yeah. And so you've been working with teens and their parents and.
2: Yeah. Through Lighthouse. Now this is our 31st year. Mm -hmm. And my private practice initially was teens and families because, you know, that's how people knew me through Lighthouse. But now it's predominantly mostly adults. And I didn't change any marketing, just kind of evolved. So I love working with teenagers on up.
1: So tell us why you wrote the book. Tell us about your amazing book, Thoughts, The Power of Your Mind.
2: Yeah, well, I'm in a I'm in a writer's group and which is really good because that's accountability that keeps you writing. Yeah. And. I had just finished another book called shrink proof your life top 10 ways to stay off the therapist couch. And that took off and did well too. But then I got to come up with something new in the back of my mind. You know, I knew that, you know, your thoughts create your reality. I knew with that thought, that theme, really there's nothing new under the sun. You know, Buddha said it, BC, uh, Socrates said it, Jesus said it. And modern-day psychologists say it. So I thought, you know, it might be a good book to get theologians, philosophers, scientists, um, psychologists, and get good provocative quotes that around that theme of your thoughts create your reality. And I thought, how about A to Z? And I found them, and I wrote about them, and I came up with, you know, counseling sessions to kind of illuminate more of the truth, and then kind of some working steps at the end. And garland, and it really took off.
1: That's awesome. And also, I'm going to add life coaches into that, too, because that's what we use is the, um, the the thought model or thought cascade or whatever you want to call it. You know, it's kind of the basis, too, of that your current thinking creates your current result, your current reality. And so yeah. tell us a little bit more about so your quotes were like your first one is from. Can you tell us? Um, oh,
2: you bet. And it really
1: worked out by Aristotle. By Aristotle.
2: Yeah, it really worked out well because, and Aristotle's quote is, it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. And I'm really lucky that that's the first chapter because to be able to do this work, you have to see your thoughts. And for most of us, thoughts in us are like pain against a wall. I mean, we think that's the wall but it really isn't. And then you got to separate yourself from the thought and see it and say, you know, is that a functional productive thought or is that pretty dysfunctional and unproductive? Mm -hmm. And I have three truths through every chapter. And one of them is you are not your thoughts, Mm -hmm. which in the Western world is pretty crazy. And people get kind of whacked out by that saying, well, what am I then? Which is a whole nother discussion, but you're not your thoughts. And you know, we have, thousands of thoughts a day and some of them are weird like where'd that thought come from Mm -hmm. and we're not our thoughts so i say to people thoughts are not the problem because it because it is the nature of our mind to come up with thoughts it's attaching or identifying and then acting out those thoughts could be the problem or something very beautiful and productive so just because you have a thought, just say it's, it's just a thought. I mean, it's like a rainbow. You know, it comes and it goes. Mm-hmm. And the conditions have to be right for it. And the conditions have to be right for thoughts to arise. But you don't have to attach and identify. You can let go of thoughts and then say, well, what would be a nicer thought or a more productive thought? Come up with that and then behave that way.
1: And it's, it's not as easy as that, is it for people either, especially like when you're my age and you start doing, like when, when I started doing like the life coaching and learning about this and then reading your book, it's like, it's kind of powerful, the awareness is, but you can't just simply do what we call in kind of life coach world, like a thought swap, where you just trade it for a more positive, intentional thought.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, this takes a lot of practice even though once you start it, I think, I think it can move pretty quickly because then you kind of get it mm-hmm. like, oh, there's that reoccurring thought, you know, I don't, I'm not going to do that anymore because whatever, that doesn't help my marriage or that doesn't help my work environment. And I'm going to let go of it because, you know, if they're listening to you or reading this book, Carla, they're probably on a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, you're on a journey. Guess what? You got life lessons, and this is a biggie because it's so prevalent
1: right and and the other thing is like you described it as a rainbow, which I really love because I haven't heard that. But you know, also like just thinking of it as a sentence in your
2: mind.-huh
1: And um, that some of those pathways are almost like, and you talk about this in your book, that a, a really powerful thought that's on a loop that we have chosen to believe is true over time and time and time again is a, a belief. And in yes. our society, we are not typically used to challenging beliefs.
2: I, I really like that because also I think in, in, in the Western culture, so much is reinforced about the external world, you know, achievement and accumulation and travel. And what you're working with and what I'm working with is how do people go internal, because the thoughts are internal, and get some insights this way instead of this way. Yeah. And so, yeah. So a belief is just a bunch of thoughts.
1: And so how do you um, describe your three truths? Can you go through those and describe those for us?
2: You bet. Uh, Number one, your thoughts create your reality. I mean, that's that's kind of the biggie. Number two. um, And this is also I mean, they're all biggies. This is also one that I remember when I learned. I'm like, seriously. So the second truth throughout every chapter is there is no reality outside your interpretation of it.
1: I think that one is so profound. And even as like a life coach and somebody who's been doing this work, I, and on a daily basis, um, I even thought that was, wow, so profound. And can you describe that a little bit more, explain that?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, something as easy as, or simple as you and I meet someone downtown and we hold a little three or five minute discussion. Then you and I leave. And I say, you know, kind of separately with you, well, that that guy wasn't isn't the nicest guy ever. Or maybe I use the choicer word. And you say, I thought he was a good guy. Same experience, but two different interpretations, two different realities.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I think people get that because that happens, but it's in everything um, that we all construe our reality. And with growth and healing, usually we construe a new reality on the same circumstance, which then becomes a healthier way of being with that circumstance.
1: Great. And so tell us your third truth.
2: And the third truth is you are not your thoughts.
1: Yeah. And I think that that is, like you said, you know, how we attach to those thoughts and we get so stuck in that. That is so powerful to know that you are not your thoughts and what a relief it is.
2: Absolutely. That's freedom, Carla, because really, I mean, again, in our culture, we're taught what you accomplish today, multitask, you know, get a lot of things going on. And then you ask somebody, how are you doing? Busy. Oh, I'm busy too. And all that stuff's reinforced. And then it's, the thoughts are like paint against a wall. You don't even see them, you're just doing. And so this is slowing down, realizing they're just merely thoughts, not buying into them, and then really creating a healthier, happier life.
1: Yeah, that's so great. And I think one of the things that you really enforce here after at the end of each chapter is the reflections that you're encouraging us to do. And that's really the work that has to happen. Um, because it's not like some sort of arrival point we're always going to have thoughts that are coming up and we can either say that's a sentence or like you say a rainbow or sometimes mm-hmm. i say like some sort of mindful but mindfulness practices talk about like just noting that's just a cloud going by there's
2: nothing
1: wrong here but there's no like arrival point or summit it's just really the daily intentional practice which is what i love about your book where you have all of the um, reflections at the end of each chapter.
2: So, yeah, yeah because you know a lot, a lot. Of, you said the right word. A lot of practices at the at end of each chapter. Because a lot of people in my in my private practice, they'll say, "Oh, this is going to be hard." I say, "Please don't say it's going to be hard. Just say it's going to be a practice." Because if you say it's going to be hard, what's it always going to be? Yeah. Hard. That's just a thought. Is what yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I say, if you want to get better at bowling, what are you going to do? And they say, practice bowling. I'm like, yeah, you're not going to say that's hard. And so change your thought from hard to it's going to be a practice. And with practices, guess what? We just get incrementally better.
1: And you get to choose your thoughts.
2: Oh, yeah. That serve you.
1: That serve yeah. you. And yeah. you and like you said, you know, like it's just a practice of starting to become unstuck and unattached from your thoughts, yeah, and 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 letting them go. And do you have any like mindfulness practices that you do or that you work with with your clients that help them? Like sometimes I have a amazing life and well being coach. She's also a therapist, which is awesome. Um, but she talks about my mind being like a snow globe mind. So oh yeah, like a ton, Which I'm like, yeah, it's awesome in some ways, but um, there's other times when you know, I need to just calm down and calm them and get centered. And yeah, um, so do you have any um, ideas for how, like, if somebody is really like stuck in life and they just can't come up with what is that thought or belief yeah. that is keeping me stuck?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, In the book, we talked about this also before we went on air, but I believe the progression, how we humans operate is everything starts with a thought and the thoughts create a feeling. And with these two pieces of information, then we do a behavior. And so a lot of people aren't aware of their thoughts because of what we talked about, but they're aware of their feelings. So my strategy is really the purpose of feelings are messengers. Meaning what's the message of that anger? what's the message of why you're embarrassed? What's the message of why you're all of a sudden anxious? And so then they work themselves up to the thought, oh, because I get mad when my dad says whatever. Okay. So um, what's the, what's the message? What's the life lesson of how to respond? What's the new thought you can have in responding to that person, your dad. And so it slows them down. They don't act out of anger and then they do they're kind of like the scientist of like okay what's the thought that's creating that anger and then again slowly incrementally making changes
1: so being kind of like a curious observer of your mind and just having some self-discovery and awareness and kind of sitting like on the couch with you right Um,
2: I, i love that language carla yeah curious observer Right on.
1: Yeah. Since if you're not your thoughts and you're not your mind, I mean, it's a part of you, but yeah. you sit back and be curious and say, oh, that's what's coming up for me. And uh-huh. that doesn't serve me. And then that helps you to just creating the pause and the awareness, I think is so powerful. Yeah. And I think too, with the emotions, um, we're not used to processing our emotions, especially painful ones.
2: Uh-huh. True.
1: May kind of trigger us. And we don't, since we don't realize that they come from our thoughts, um, oftentimes it will just present, like you say, as a messenger, like it'll come up maybe viscerally in your body as uh, uh, some sort of a, it's a sensation in your body.
2: Yep.
1: And we, we can't always help that, but some, sometimes it's, when is it not helpful to sit and and figure out exactly where that's coming from sometimes you go down like a kind of a thought um like paralysis analysis or ride that thought train and and versus just like feeling that emotion letting it pass through Uh
2: uh-huh well yeah i don't know if i'm going to answer completely but you know sometimes in my practice people say well why am i that way and i said you know." We could spend some time of that and go back to childhood, figure it out. But I don't know if that's as important as you now have the aha that one of your buttons is dad saying X. So let's do it present tense and say, okay, what's the healing that's got to be done, and figuring out uh, how to depower that anger and come up with a healthy thought. And and also, if your dad's not going to change, maybe you got to distance yourself a little bit. I mean, if you're an adult.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's really hard for us is we were talking about this with like the achievements and um, kind of looking at our action or behavior line for how we're going to feel or think we're going to feel. Um, but it's so powerful to know that it's your thought that creates your feelings and your results and your actions and your results, because then that means that you can start thinking in a way intentionally on purpose that really serves you and will move you to how you want to feel and where you want to be.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And what it also does is um, when one embraces this and practices this, now there's no longer any victimhood stuff going on. That, that you're only a victim if you allow if you give too much power to that external circumstance uh because you know one of the things that's that i say often which we got to talk about a lot is you know circumstances don't make the person they reveal the person so you know one of my favorite far side cartoons is two robots are sitting in a the therapist's office and one of the robots has tons of buttons on him and the therapist said well if you didn't have so many buttons she wouldn't be able to make you so mad. <laughs> the reason I like that is because it's always about us. That reveals that person we met downtown, I thought was a not a nice guy. That's about me. That's a button I have. You yeah. didn't have that button. So circumstances always reveal you. Where we always think, no, objectively, that guy was a butt. no. No. That means you have an issue with whatever that guy, that gal represents. So no more victimhood. It's all about empowerment, changing your thoughts and creating a new reality.
1: Yeah. And I love that. And I think about like circumstances too, as um, kind of in the life, which where we think about it being like out of, these are just things that are out of our control. I mean, you can prove them. there may be, you know, with our, with my work, you know, it's a lot about, um, like the weight, you know, we think that it's our, just a measurement on a scale that may be triggering, um, a feeling and our actual results. And if I was, you know, if that was a different measure, then I would be showing up in a different way, but it's the thought that you have about that measure. And, yeah. um, that is so profound. And do you find that as you were talking about, like, Getting rid of the victim and the blaming thing because it's just not even possible once you own your own thoughts Yeah, and, ha- and that they create your current reality it's hard for People like my age who have been in that patterning especially for a really long time to own that To own that it's our thoughts that create yeah. reality to let go of that patterning
2: of yeah. being victim mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, if they're showing up to talk with you <clears throat> or showing up to talk with me, they've already said, my method's not working. So they're more open. So it's not going to be as hard. They're more open to a new way of living in the world, mm-hmm. which is always this way first, seeing your thoughts. And you're right. Someone that's not open, they're going to be in that same stru- same rut and being stuck in so-and-so's doing that and this isn't right and how dare this look at the political system and And then they maybe drink a lot or play a lot of video games or i mean a lot of diversions to try to shut this down Mm -hmm. where we can shut it down and come up with healthier ways of being in the world without having to do those more unhealthy coping strategies
1: And we call that like buffering, which, which you have something that's getting you out of feeling your negative emotion that's coming up or the discomfort, and then you have a net negative consequence. So whether it's suffering with food and not processing your emotions or owning your, that it's your thoughts that are creating the current reality. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's, yeah, that's just helpful. I mean, how much is like awareness, just awareness is is so powerful and just to tell your clients this is really what you need is just this awareness.
2: Yeah in fact, I say to people, once you get the awareness, you're fifty percent of the way there and the other fifty percent is new thoughts, new practices. So I completely agree with you so much is awareness That's great.
1: So one of the things I notice when I'm coaching teens is that they get it like right away. <laughs> and it's almost oh. like they get that your thoughts create your uh, results and your, yeah. your current reality and they'll say you know time and time again they'll say oh that makes sense
2: yeah. uh huh yeah
1: and um and it's almost like that scene in nemo at the end where all the fish are in like the bags in the ocean and they've escaped and they're all like looking at each other like now what uh
2: huh and
1: so how do you help your clients yeah create new thoughts
2: okay well uh one of the things which is always jarring to them but i do it very purposefully because they need to be jarred is mm-hmm. saying do you really want to change and they're like of course i do i'm like well you haven't changed the last two weeks and we've been talking about this so i'm not passing judgment do you really want to change yeah. and That has to be a component. You have to be open to living in the world a different way. And so once they get that, once they admit, yeah, I really do want to change, Mm -hmm. then we kind of maybe role play. I say, okay, I'll be your boss. And then you have to come up with new thoughts and new ways of acting and behaving toward me. Because, you know, let's say he's been complaining about his boss for weeks and weeks and weeks. So I kind of know his boss. So I play it pretty well. And I try to hit every button on him on that robot. And, and th- they smile because they see what I'm doing. And sometimes it takes them three or four or five seconds to come up with a new thought. And at the very end, I say, OK, who won the discussion? And if I won as the boss, then we got to keep role playing, coming up with new thoughts. So it becomes easier. If they won, I say, fantastic. You're ready to go live this in the world.
1: That's awesome. I could be there all day with you if that was the case. <laughs> That's awesome. I love in your your book, you have so many amazing examples of your clients and their families. And there was one, and I'm going to ask you to like share a little bit more about it. There was a teen son, I think, or maybe he was in college and the parents had divergent approaches to him. Like, I think the dad was like, oh. Stricter, and the mom was more passive, and you yeah. drew like a circle. You said, "You're here, you're here, yeah. mom, and here's where you need to be."
2: Yeah. So uh, the reason I share that, and that's a real, real deal, um is because everything is seeking balance in life. Nature seeks balance. We seek balance. You know, if we're really high, strong, alcohol is relaxing. So that. You know, we think it's going to help us create balance. So if I'll start with the mom, if the mom is too lax, you know, and the kids acting out, the dad unconsciously thinks it's got to be overly strict. And it just doesn't work when people are living at the ends of the continuum. Mm-hmm. So I said to the dad, you know, if mom tightened up a little bit and gave a consequence or asked for what she needed, dad, what would you do? He goes, well, I'd lighten up. And, and so I said, okay, now you have a practice, a new way of thinking, of being in the world, and now go practice that. And then we'll come back in a week or two and see how you guys are doing.
1: And their result, where they weren't really getting anywhere with their son, not that we can control the outcomes or anyone else's actions, especially, yeah. if, you know, with teens, <laughs> we don't yeah. control. But, but how they were deciding to show up yes. was really based on just their current thinking.
2: Correct. And, and it goes back to your very first subject. They were not aware of their thinking yeah. they were living kind of unconscious life. Well, I'm super relaxed with him because dad's really strict. No, I'm strict because you're lax. Like, wow, you guys haven't talked. You haven't made your thoughts conscious and then work with them and come toward the middle.
1: And they think if only my son behaved in this way, then we wouldn't have any problems. Or if only my wife or my husband um, showed up in this way. And that's just living on that kind of circumstance line. Correct. We're just always moving the goalpost on ourselves and trying to um, manipulate our lives in that way. And it's just kind of out of touch with reality too. It's It's very freeing to think that to think (laughs) this is a great thought I'm having that's serving me that it's so freeing to think that it's just our thoughts that we can think on purpose intentionally and create new beliefs that serve us. And it's, it's unlimited potential. You unlock that power of your mind, which is the title of your book thoughts, the power of your mind.
2: Yeah. Well, and um, that's why like life coaches are needed. Therapists are needed. Support groups are needed friends are needed because some of us get in such a line of thinking, we don't know what would be a new way to think because you only know this. Mm -hmm. And so with another mom saying, well, I would do X like, Oh, wow. Thank you. I never thought of it that way or a life coach or a therapist saying, have you thought about it this way? Mm -hmm. Well, no, they hadn't because you know, they're on uh, run and then, Mm-hmm. you know the Einstein quote which is really an Al-Anon quote is you keep doing the same thing expecting different results
1: yeah mm-hmm. it doesn't work yeah it's like yeah. I can show you why you're stuck because like your client who was not interested in changing or you thought you know and there's no problem like there's never any problem you get to choose
2: uh-huh. and,
1: and and the more that they have the power of the choice and the power of creating that awareness and intentionally creating those thoughts that serve themselves, the more power they will keep unlocking. It becomes easier and easier over time.
2: Yep. You, you got it.
1: Yeah. So what I love about you and I's work, and we intersect on a lot of levels like community visionaries, but also like, the power of working in a compassionate way with connecting one-on-one with individuals, which is why I created I Am Me, because when you say the letters, I am me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you have the power of the individual along with the support of the community. And so I really think, Pete, I mean, your work has been so amazing as you work, you know, one-on-one with your clients and writing this book, getting it into individuals' hands. It's so powerful. And then also your community work. Uh, with Lighthouse. So you had the amazing experience in uh, New York um, that summer. Um, but can you tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit more about Lighthouse, how we can support it, but also mm-hmm. you know, like, as co-founder, like, what was your intentional, like, vision as you um, co-founded Lighthouse?
2: Yeah. Can I go back to what you said just before that, when you gave yes. out all those supplements? Uh-huh. Another thing which I have not shared is the, the, the outside world is always showing you you. So, for instance, downtown, that guy showed me me. I had an issue, showed you you. You were copacetic with him. So you just reflected to me the things that you like about me. Well, Carla, all that's in you or else that wouldn't resonate with you. So thank you for being interested in being a thought leader and a community visionary and all the work you do, because what resonates in you is you. And so I just thought that's a good example of the world is always showing you, you, you. Uh, People think of it in negative ways, but it's also in positive ways.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, when you and I met, it was over a year ago for coffee, pre-COVID, for sure. I do not
2: even know that. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I had just gone through a really super traumatic um, career transition and I just yep. wanted people like holding space for me, for my mm-hmm. story. It was so helpful. And I remember you saying like, I'm so sad, you know, that that happened. And I'm also, I, I told you about my, I didn't have the name, my the community, that yeah. I was yep. becoming a life coach. I was yeah. going back to my original vision um, yeah. as founder of Teach a Kid to Fish, creating community solutions for children's health, which is now my vision is create community. And you said I'm just so glad that you're moving forward in this way. And yeah. So that was so helpful, and I just want to tell you I have tons of gratitude. But um,
2: oh, thank
1: so, you. So um, one thing I've learned over the last year or so is that your vision is always yours. Like it's it's never up for grabs. Like you can oh. I mean like Brene Brown says, I mean you're going to get your butt kicked. If you if you're out in the arena, if you put yourself in the arena, yeah. there's going to be things that are out of your control. But your vision is never up for grabs. And so I was just curious, when you were tapped to launch Lighthouse. Um like what that was like and what your vision was.
2: Yeah. Um I always have enjoyed working with adolescents whether it's you know when i was younger my 20s in the church youth group YPAL, the boys group home and so i read the book of the guy who started covenant house and it's working with adolescents in inner city i thought that that speaks to me and so when i came back like i said people said there's a need and so covenant house was also an overnight place and the needs assessment said we don't need another overnight we just need to have school program which I'm incredibly grateful for not a 24-7 operation. (laughs) And so my vision was, um, I like helping people live to their potential. That was reflected to me when I was in college. Someone said that to me. I'm like, really? And people saw it in me before I saw it myself. And adolescence is, I think, the ripe time for them to figure out who they are because Eric Erickson says, psychosocially, identity formation is the adolescent skill. So help adolescents figure out who they are, give them the strengths, give them the the wherewithal, give them the belief that they can become successful young adults. And man, you can't explain anything more exciting to me than that. I mean, that is meaning and purpose to me, compared to you know what I was doing and what the family business was, which is nothing wrong with that. Just, Person specific to me, so you know. Number one, you know, research shows that uh, after school is the highest risk time period for teens, so it's a safe safe harbor, which you know, lighthouse is a great metaphor for that. And then, uh, education is our number one goal because we know, you know, the trajectory of a kid who doesn't have a high school diploma. And well, every kid who comes to Lighthouse has to sign a pledge: I will graduate with at least two point five. I will not get someone pregnant or get pregnant because we know that trajectory mm-hmm. makes it harder. And I will not get convicted of a crime because we know the trajectory of kids who enter the juvenile justice system. Mm-hmm. So every kid signs that pledge. All of our programming goes to those three things. And we work with the team to help them stay more on that straight and narrow and graduate and, you know, launch their young adulthood.
1: Amazing. How many do you know how many teens you've helped over the years? And
2: well, I mean, literally thousands. I mean, we average between, I mean, with COVID is now less, Mm -hmm. but we average between six and seven hundred different youth a year. And we're also at Southeast at called Night House, Southeast Nights, because after school programming is so doggone important. You know, Mm -hmm. kid goes home to an empty house. Well, huh, let's invite friends over. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. go to a convenience store, maybe shoplet. I mean, it's just really risky time period. So a lot of teens, and those aren't seven hundred new teens every year because you know the sophomores come back as juniors, etc. But I don't know the exact number, but thousands of thousands.
1: That's incredible! Congratulations, it's amazing. Work. Thank you. So, Thank by you. the way, do you share your book with the teens that go to Lighthouse?
2: Well, uh, the staff have all read it, and I have led them through a four-week, um, you know, in-house seminar, mm-hmm. and then they work with it with their, their mentees, because each
1: okay.
2: regular kid has a mentor to deal with those three pledges. So, not necessarily to the kids, but to the staff, and then they work with the kids.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's like teaching a kid to fetch, right? I mean, oh, who- their voice, which is And also like, I love the community build that you've done. I mean, Lighthouse is a community, but there are all sorts of communities. And as Uh soon as I like opened up my mind to think outside of geography for community, then it just became Uh an amazing opportunity to really now start connecting with teens who are struggling with their weight and body image, which there are so many now, and there's really never been anything that's helpful. But the important thing is, is that I, can get something to them that will work and provide that compassionate
2: connection, which is what you're doing at Lighthouse. So yeah, I like your language again, compassionate connection. That explains yeah. it all, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, that's what it takes for change. I mean, it just takes yeah. some listening and believing in, in another person. That's certainly what has helped me in life. But we should think of ways that we can collaborate, I mean community, and Lighthouse, because I think it could be pretty fun.
2: I think it'd be fun too. We're all, I mean, you know, funders are always looking at who you're collaborating with. So absolutely Carla. Yeah. So cool. So,
1: how can we get your book? You were telling me Lulu.com give us some more specifics and also on Amazon.
2: Yeah. Lulu is the publishing house L U L U. And so I, I, that'd be my preference, but a lot of people go through Amazon.com and both of those places uh, once COVID lifts, I'll be doing probably some seminars in the community and talking about it and hopefully selling books afterwards. And that's how I've done it with my previous books. So, um, yeah, please read it, get it, come up with good questions, and we'll talk down the road.
1: That sounds awesome. So it's called Thoughts, the Power of Your Mind, Peter Allman, M.A. And any ways that we can, as a community, for those of us in the community, support Lighthouse? Tell us where to go and what do you all have going on to either raise funding or exciting like, things happening in the near future?
2: You bet. Uh, and thank you for asking. Um, our website is lincolnlighthouse.org. O-R-G. There are many, you know, on the banner, money buds do. So obviously don't, donating is a big part. If COVID wasn't going on, we, you know, we always ask for volunteers, but it's just tougher now. But now, I'll just talk about what's going on at Lighthouse. Uh, when light, when the color was red with COVID, Lighthouse wasn't open. When it was orange, we couldn't do the after-school program part, but we did open up our gym. for We were in an online remote learning center,
0: okay. which was super
2: right. important because many kids don't learn well that way. No parents are home, so they're undisciplined. And you know LPS in the previous quarter... Handed out the most Fs in their history last quarter, mm-hmm. and it makes sense because it was remote learning.
1: Yeah, it's just not fun. I mean, the ones I'm coaching, it's just it's not interesting. They're not motivated. Yep. It's yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's
2: understandable. It's understandable. So mm-hmm. our gym's been a remote learning center, and we've been helping lots of teams that way. So now that we're yellow, now the after school program's open, and we serve dinner, and we're open till six, and and then the summer will be our regular schedule, two to nine. Okay. And so hopefully when we can all gather back together, you know, we'll ask, you know, have your friends make a meal, bring it in and serve it. Have your church group do it. You know, our church, First Plymouth, brings in Thanksgiving meal. And mm-hmm. they, they love serving and getting know the kids because our kids are really good kids. Oh, yeah. They're just from really tough beginnings. And need some help and need some structure.
1: Yeah. And have unlimited potential to unlock the power of their mind to create any reality and any result that they want. So yeah.
2: that's There's amazing. a believer. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, totally. <laughs> I drank the Aid a while ago. So anyway, Pete, thank you so much for your time. I'm so grateful for your work. I'm so grateful for your book. I think it's amazing. I think everyone should go out and get it. And this was just the first podcast interview with you, but we'll be doing more for sure
2: and Carla, thank you, and thanks for the work you're doing. And I think this was just great. Yeah,
1: thank you. Yeah. Thank you, everyone well. for joining us today. We'll catch you next time.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the IME community Podcast, where self-love is your superpower. The content of this podcast represents the opinions of Dr. Carla Lester and is not intended as and shall not be understood as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. The opinions shared reflect the host and guest and do not represent an organization or medical group. Always seek the advice of your physician or therapist if you have concerns about your health. Please like and subscribe to the IME Community Podcast. Share IME with your friends and go to imecommunity.com to join the member community. Don't forget to follow IME on social.